Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Scoopy Radio. In your area code, on the plane, on the train, on your aux cord, I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram Scoop underscore B, Snapchat Scoop underscore B. Make sure that you all subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast over at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or simply visit ScoopBRadio.com. Scoop I'm in the Chicago area right now. I am in the city of Chicago, and what better place to be than to be with brethren that I know? First and foremost, Domati Pongo, personality extraordinaire over at WGN Radio. Uh, you guys can follow him everywhere. He's he's in there daily. He's making it happen. So first and foremost, Domati, welcome to Scoop Beat Radio. Man, thank you, thank you, thank you. First of all, I thought the promo code, I always wondered this, why is the promo code Snoop and not Scoop? You got ass management, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was getting some of the barrels, I was like, yo, I want to write Scoop just because. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now you guys know if you're listening, the promo code is Snoop. Get your discount. S-N-O-O-P. There you go. There you go. There you go. And also in the studios, my main, I feel like a Mara shot, my main man, <laughs> Kyle Means. Oh, what's up? From the Dean Davis. I'm just gonna lay back. I know. Nah, no, we both in here like swimwear. And if you guys are paying attention, we're doing double double trouble. Uh, Domati and I recorded a podcast on his podcast, and he's on Scoopy Radio. I mean, he's this guy we connected some years ago. We're still trying to figure out when exactly we met. Yeah, I, I'm still trying to piece it together. I believe I don't even know what what the introduction was. I want to say it was Swank PR introduced us, but you came over to w, uh, WindyCityUnderground.com when I was there. And you jumped on our show, but I can't even remember what the pitch was. What were you plugging at the time? You know time? what it was? I could tell you. I think I, at some point, it was 2015, I was in town for the boy Illinois um, and his listening party. Okay. And I was at the Dean Davis show. And when I finished, somebody in the studio said, yo, they want you to, or rather I either suggested that they, I, I guess, go around the corner to where you were taping with DJ Pat exclusive. Yeah, Wait, was that, was that the time when you and and Bree had come to the show? Y'all did the show together? No, that was in 2017. This was in 2015. History. Okay. In 2015, I came twice. I came in 2015. The first time, uh, my homegirl Robin, she was hosting a panel um somewhere on Randolph Street in Chicago with Karen Silva and I moderated the panel. Oh, okay. But then the second time I came, I came, it was that year, I came um, 
to Chicago to go to Illy's listening party. Okay. Yeah. And what happened was somebody told me to come and you know I met you guys can I remember when I came, I had just gotten the news about CBS and Brown in school. Like hours before I came I on your show. That. Yes, yes, yes. Pat reminded me of that Pat DJ at an event downtown last night. He was like, yo, you had just gotten the news about CBS. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a major, that was a big day. And that was a big day for us to see like, I mean, just another black man in the industry just killing it. And I mean, we had a rapport as if we know you already, man. Right. So but, but, it was good. It's but good what money. I'm, what I'm impressed about you um, is your progression. You've been all over the place, both in writing. You, you wrote for the Chicago Defender, correct? I wrote for the, uh, I was featured in the Defender. Okay. Um, but I wrote for the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, which is one of the big stage, uh, newspapers in Chicago. What was interesting about that piece WGN, it was labeled as a WGN radio special report. Now, if you're from the city, you know this, like in Chicago, WGN radio has always been tied to the Tribune yep. because of acquisitions and sales and things happen. They're no longer tied to the Tribune in that way. But you never see WGN radio's logo in the Chicago Sun-Times. Yeah, and that was bug. The way that came <laughs> together was a meeting with myself and some high-level leadership at the Sun-Times through just a friend of a friend of a friend. And we had coffee. And I was telling her what I had going on. And she said, you going to Memphis to cover the 50th commemoration of the assassination of King? I was like, yeah. She was like, well, we don't have any writers on the Ain't way Ain't this your plane ticket right here? You are observant as ever. <laughs> <laughs> Even said, wait a minute, the media passes over there too. Yeah. Oh, I peeped that when I came in the office. Let me let me grab a joint. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he saw it. Yeah. Got it laid about the room. It's just laid around in the room. We had my home studio. It's just laid around. And and that right there is just like that to me, that's gonna be in a scrapbook, but that to me is a representation of all things working together for the good for them that love God. Because there was no reason. I'd never written for a major publication. I've barely ever written. Like, I write, but I don't write, right? I wrote for the, 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 what? Like, it's still weird to me. It's still weird to me, but it came about in an interesting way. Scoopy Radio in studio out here in Chi-Town with Dominique Pongo and Kyle Means talking all things media, journalism, city to city, and more. I feel like this is like Jay-Z and R. Kelly's Best of Both Worlds are Unfinished Business. Like, we're recording an album right now. I swear. Nobody's getting, <laughs> nobody's getting Mace to hit up. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> no Mace going on. I said, which one of y'all? Uh, well, I guess if you want to rep the cities, you know. I don't know if, yeah, know if you want to be y'all. Like, I, I, I don't know. know. Like Can we make it the throne? Can we be kind? Ca- Dang, I don't want to be kind. Ca- <laughs> 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 See, I'm not looking good. Our right guys now. is messing up right now. We're just going to call yeah. it Domitian yeah. Scoop. That's, That's what we're going to do, right, man. This is the new best of both. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yes, sir. Scoopy Radio. Make sure you guys subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app. You um, are kind of in a, in a good good juxtaposition because um, you are definitely in a downtown office um, and you have the advantage of being uh, really a field reporter and being able to uh, connect with the people. Um, how rare mm-hmm. of a position do you think that you're in with your role at WGN News? Hmm. Well, I think I'm the only black guy under <laughs> under 30 in there. Okay. It's, it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare. I, the reason I pause is because I don't want to I don't want to overstate like like I'm some anomaly. You know, I think sometimes when we hit milestones and we start to think about how rare it is that we're able to hit it, 
we can convince ourselves that we're an anomaly, but there are tons of brilliant people who just didn't have the universe bend toward their will in a way that it had for me, you know, but it's pretty rare. You know, the only other black people there and, and they're super open station, but you know how, how the industry is, you know, it, it takes time for us to get in these positions. Only other black guy there, man, is is 50 something years old, years and years of radio experience. I came there with about four years of experience coming from a black radio station, WVON um, on 87th Street. And, and that even that job opportunity came off over lunch, over coffee. You know, networking and being on panels and becoming a thought leader in this space and branding myself as somebody who not only was willing to learn, but could also teach a little bit and, and sit alongside people. It was a panel. That job came from a panel with Robert Feeder, who is a, a media journalist in Chicago, a blogger, um, the news directors at all of the big stations, WLS, WBBM, WBEZ, and WGN. And I really hit it off with one of the WGN producers. And that friendship turned into me meeting and having lunch with the VP and the director of operations. And that turned into me working with them. That shows how, you remind me buttoning in, that no, shows no. how important it is for you know people in general, but really for us brothers and sisters in this business to be able to get in front of the people who are hiring. Yeah, like, there's so much issues that are ongoing about the hiring of the of diverse people in our studios and our newsrooms and and a lot of these publications and and you know radio and TV stations are falling short. But you know if they if they just really make more of an effort to get to get in the spaces that we can where we do things and show off and show off our skills, they can find themselves in front of a lot of great talent like Adoma T. Pongo, like myself, like Scoop. Mm-hmm. If, you know, we're all out here doing our thing and there's no lack of great talent out here that's representing something different than what we see day to day in our in on our newsrooms and stuff. Absolutely. That, that's the point I was trying to make. You said it so eloquently, so much more eloquently, because it's like if if all of the me's out there had a chance to get in front of these people, it'd be a million of us in that newsroom. Mm-hmm. You know, it just so happens that through some luck, through some ingenuity and a whole lot of hard work, you know, I was able to get in front of those people. Yep. You won an award uh, for an NABJ award. And for those listening, not familiar and are targeted to the party, NABJ is the National Association of Black Journalists. Uh, you won an award. Uh, salute to Excellence uh, Award for Best Radio Feature uh, on uh, the Laquan McDonald shooting. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I received, I, yeah, I received finalist recognition for that. And it was a piece about um, Cliff Kelly, uh, legendary radio personality at WVON in Chicago, man. They, they, they do these things called the stories that kept us talking in 2016 or whatever year it was. You know, maybe it was when the Laquan McDonald shooting happened. I think it was, yeah, in the 2015. In the 2015. So I wrote the piece at the start and it ran January 1st, 2016. And that was the number one story, of course, obviously, that kept us talking because you know, that the, literally the smoking gun was seeing this video of somebody getting shot 16 times. It led to the ouster of the police superintendent, led to the ouster of the state's attorney. It was crazy. So I had written this piece about all of the political fallout following the death of uh, Laquan McDonald. And it was voiced by Cliff Kelly. And really, I have a lot to thank WVON for, for giving me that training ground as a writer. I didn't look at myself as a writer. I, I still look at myself as an MC. I was just writing the thing for somebody to read. <laughs> I didn't think about Ghost it. Ghostwriting. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Then I went back and read it. 
And I was like, yo, this is kind of like an article. And so it got submitted to... Uh, to um, uh, NABJ, National Association of Black Journalists. You got finalist recognition. It made it all the way to the to this point. But then W uh, NPR affiliate in New York ended up beating me out with another story, man. I can't stand you New Yorkers, man. <laughs> you know, they ended up beating me out with another story. But it, that that story led to a lot of op- opportunities to tell our truth in different ways. You, mm. you, you alley-ooped it perfectly. Do you guys feel that because you are uh, three or f- number three or number four market, um, number three, Number three. Do you feel sometimes um, that you guys are overlooked by L.A. and New York? I don't, though. I don't. One thing, and it might be a problem with Chicago, like you could see it in Kanye's personality. Like I'm mad, overly confident. Chicagoans are mad, overly confident. So I don't even know if we realize when we're being overlooked sometimes. Now, I do feel like we'd be, we're, we're overlooked in the music industry sometimes. I agree. You know what I mean? We got a lot going on in the Chicago music scene. And it's starting to change because of journalists like you who come to the city and, you know what I mean, turn these stories around to other markets and elevate us to other markets. And because, you know, the spotlight on people like Chief Keith and G Herbo and a lot of people making noise in the city, King L and all that. But um, I really don't see it that way. I think Chicago is just such a unique city. And especially in media, the eye is on Chicago so heavy that, You'd be crazy not to take this opportunity while the light spotlight is on us too. If people say, man, when black people kill black people in Chicago, no one does anything about it. And you turn around and you can elevate these stories of people who have been marching in Auburn Gresham since the beginning of time, who have been doing programs like Rage, Resident Association of Greater Inglewood, with Aisha Butler doing a lot of engagement and violence interrupters, trying hard as ever to stop this crime thing. Like you have an opportunity to elevate our voices, even if the spotlight is on the city for a negative reason. So, I, you know, I kind of feel like we're, we're getting attention, but we're turning it around in a way. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a great point. The the and. It's important to realize that because Chicago is put on the map so much for bad stuff. And like we we do work hard here to really turn to really define ourselves and redefine ourselves in the spotlight. And, you know, as far as being overlooked, though, I would say there is a little bit of that. And and we try because we are because we're so confident. It's sort of the flip side of a. you know, inferiority complex. Like we work hard to not be inferior because we we do know that we're not inferior. But you know, it's hard it's hard to really get off here in the way that you can in New York in other cities, or in LA. Right. You know, it's like you got to hustle, and we don't mind hustling here. But you can hustle and and like say be on the block still for a long time before anybody really gives you that that really that push that you des- that you feel that you deserve or that or that you feel that you are worth, you know. I th- I think that um I noticed that little brother versus big brother when I went to school at Eastern University, mm-hmm. which was, you know, minutes away from West Philly. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, my news growing up was national news. Mm-hmm. Uh Philly news, you know, like I remember growing up watching, you know, NBC News and I saw Tom Brokaw in the newsroom previewing you know, right. nightly news. And that right. was normal to me. And I'm watching the news in Philly yeah. like, yo, yeah, I ain't got Tom Brokaw in here. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so I guess my my, my question is, um, what do you guys do differently in mm-hmm. Chicago? Like as far as like, I think Kanye is a representation of what it means to just be unapologetically you in the newsroom or in, in writing. Yeah. What pizzazz do you guys focus on to make sure that you guys stand out? 
Yeah, I, I, I you, you mean personally? You mean like Chicago journalists in general? Both. Personally, um, it's standing in my truth. Like you said it on, on you know, the other podcast about just not giving an F what people think. You know, not caring about what people think. Like so, for me, when I first started out, I used to have this struggle of I used to be scared of these well-to-do elite people googling my name and seeing some of my old hip-hop which even though it was positive was mad aggressive and abrasive and they might get turned off by me or, or question my professionalism because i was in this hip-hop space or see me in a hoodie and tims and wonder if i was a serious journalism a journalist or look find out that i didn't go to j school where we right here one of the best j schools in the country at northwestern medill and i didn't go there so you know why should we listen to you but I found out that all of the opportunities that I've had, the people I've had to meet came from me organizing the Artist Lounge open mic that I do in Chicago, came from me having this this understanding of hip hop. Actually, Scoop B came to WGN Radio. We walked around casually talking to one of the hosts and he said, yeah, I know you're in the art space. You know, you mind jumping on with me to talk about this Donald Glover video. This, this is America. Those opportunities come because people find out mm-hmm. you're multifaceted. Meanwhile, the people who are trying to be chameleons, the black people that think if they put that wetter mask and put that face on where well, now you look homogenous. You look like everybody else and there's nothing about you that stands out. So now instead of competing and being knowing you, knowing Domati for Domati, the the uh, African born in America from the south side of Chicago who knows business, who knows culture, who knows arts, I would be this cookie cutter black guy who had to change his name to something more palatable to white America and then I would be fighting for a job with another white guy. And I can't be a better white guy than a real white guy. <laughs> You're going to lose that battle every time. <laughs> like, you mm-hmm. know, the, the struggle of the Oreo is he's not fooling anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah. still see it. So, you know, when I fully embrace it, even when I did, I did Chicago's Best on uh, Channel 9 the other day. I opened a segment with where a restaurant called the Original Grannies and Chicago's Best is a food show in Chicago where they go around all of the restaurants in the city. Great uh, to see you out there, by the way. Thank you, man. And <laughs> and they're, they're like, you know, what, what do you, uh, you know, what, how do you want to open a segment? And I'm like, well, in my country, we have a food we call fufu and soup. And that's what my grandma made for me. What did your grandma make for you that kept you coming back? Because the restaurant was called the Original Granny. <laughs> Take the pie, damn it. You, tell, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. That's part of black experience. Like, yeah. so and it's a universal experience. It's too. a universal experience. So it, theirs was, he was Greek. So his was the Lucamata French toast, Lucamata donuts. And yours is uh, sweet potato pie. I can tell a lot about you just by that. And if I say foo-foo and soup and West Africans are listening, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, do that again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's, that's, and so, you know, you, you start to create inroads with people just by embracing your authentic self. And, and I think that, that the power to do that is something that's been stripped away from us, especially black people. People in general, because... Everyone has multifaceted interests. You might love to sew in your free time, but you're a freaking accountant. But especially black people, we're supposed to stifle the most authentic pieces of ourselves to be palatable to corporate white America. And once I shed that and got rid of that, I ended up in corporate America, in corporate media. Mm-hmm. Like, And so it's, it's just funny how the universe works in that way. And just to build on that, like, unlike Domity, I came up, you know, sort of more... Uh, in a, in a more typical way as a journalist. You know, I did go to J school. I graduated with a journalism degree, Southern Illinois uh, University Carbondale. 
you know, the, the bigger brother of Domity School. <laughs> hey, he had to put that out he there. He had to. Yeah, but no, no, it's all love, though. SIU family. But, right, uh, still fam. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I came up through that way and, and, and building off what, what D said, like, being secure in who I am and, and where I came from and knowing that I, I was entering a world and an industry that is mostly white and mostly male and mostly come from this mostly comes from this single dynamic. You know, I knew that I had something to add to that industry if I if I was if I just was myself and if I just right. brought the things that I knew that I valued and 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 that I thought of, you know, having that as well as just being on top of my game at all times. Having the you know, being authentic and being uh you know like I said, just, ha- just being good at what I do. Because yeah. all I want to do really is have the respect of my peers on mm. top of anything. And if I knew if I had that, then I could go in any place and 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 represent myself to the fullest degree and not be not be scared. Even you know, there's been times I've worked in in offices. I worked in chains of offices where I was the only black male in a chain of four or five newsrooms mm. that was working all together and I was only black male in that whole operation, regional operation. I've been in that situation. But I knew if if I if I showed my worth and I backed myself up and in the way that I always knew that I can, then I wouldn't be I wouldn't I'm not gonna lose my job. I wasn't gonna lose my place. Yeah. You know, I've just and, and at the same time I also had to keep myself in tune with everybody else who's out there who's like me. That's why I I'm thankful of organizations like NABJ that you know brought me to to school and to other people across the country That's real. and brought real relationships and bonds and allegiances that allowed me to do better work whether I was in the corporate media sphere or now as an independent journalist I've right. been able to really gain so much because of that. And, and I will say this, too, before I just realized I didn't answer the second part of your question, which Chicago journalists in general what sets us apart. I think uh, we're seeing the, the growth of independent journalism for real. We have City Bureau, which Daryl Holiday, I believe is his name. Never met yeah, the brother, Darryl, but a yeah. black guy who uh, is putting together this platform for civic community level journalism because a lot of people are passionate about changing the narrative. So you got people just telling people in the hood who are in the spaces when news worthy things happen and they're teaching them how to document that story and feed them up the chain and same thing with contextual media leslie etherly so i think a lot of chicago tribe tribe yeah tribe, yep, a lot of chicago story. journalists and the independent shops are starting to pop up Kyle means to my left dumity pongo on my right i am scoopy robinson and that last question i'm glad i asked it i lost my train of thought and i created that out of thin air but it was a, it was a it was a good um answer to my question my the initial question that i had is um is the Chicago violence scene overhyped? Absolutely. Tell me more. <laughs> I was just doing a story today about what's tragic is the problem is social media has made the world smaller. And I can't say what violence felt like in the 90s because I was a kid in the 90s. But I can say that when somebody dies, I know someone who knows them. So I feel it more in and especially because of social media, we're starting to see these murders on social media. And we know more people than we knew when we were in high school. You don't really know these people, but you know them because they're your Facebook friend. They comment and then you find out they got shot. And so I think it hits closer to home because of that dynamic. But numbers wise, 
murder murders are down like in the 70s people it, it was like 900 deaths a year yeah i think it's it, you know going back to like say the 70s the 80s the 90s and the early 90s in particular you had 900 deaths a year in chicago shoot no i don't know if they were all shooting deaths the majority were shooting deaths and you had the gang culture was much more more systemic and, and embedded into everything industries mm-hmm. like from you know from who was selling drugs who was out here you know who was doing everything business wise on the block who what clothes you wear you couldn't wear five if you wanted to depending on where you had you wanted to wear five some with five stars on it or six stars you couldn't do it you had to watch yourself but now it's much more different it's not it's more it's it's random it's sporadic it's, much more random. it's sporadic but and, and it hurts, and because like like Domiti says, the world is smaller now, and we all know each other in 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 different ways now, and we connect with each other in different ways, and at at a point too, you, you just get to where it's like, when is it going to change over? But like you said, sheer numbers wise, it's different, and the tearing down of the projects, which is something that you always have to really think of when when we think of Chicago violence, the high rise projects that were. That were you know, synonymous with our city in past decades. They were knocked down. It spread a lot of violence out from the projects and if you, into the into the neighborhoods yes. in general, and it, it it affected a lot. And it's it's just a lot. It's a deep conversation that is always worthy of having that, that we should always have and keep in context. But it's it's. Like I said, it's better, but it's worse in some ways. The knocking down of the projects exacerbated it for sure, and. And also the locking up of our gang leaders. Yeah. Now, this it sounds counterproductive because we're talking about the gang culture, but the gang culture spiraled out of control when Larry Hoover got locked up. And a lot of these gang leaders got rounded up and locked up because there yep. used to be a code. It used to be you didn't just air out a block. You go for who you, you couldn't shoot women and kids. GDs wasn't shooting GDs. But now, because there's no real gang leadership, it's block by block by block. So the shootings are even more random. And a lot of these OGs are getting locked up much sooner. So your OG might be 17. Right. That's what I was going to say. Gang leaders. So they're 15, 16, 17 years old. Yeah, man. and they run in the blocks. And so, you know what I mean? Like, think about it because of the popularity of hip hop. Think about how young Chief Keith was in that first video I don't like. Think about he was really calling it for, for his group of friends, for that area. Like, that kid was the leader of that, his his version of the BDs, his faction, his yeah, homies. Lamron, so it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, for for his whoever was in that house at the time. You know what I mean? So it's it's different. There's no there's no order. There's no pecking order. There's no like honor like it used to be, and and I think that changes the dynamic, and, the way violence happens. And, and and just on a daily though, living living in the city, like you no know, lives in an area called Woodlawn, which has has had its rougher days. I live in an area of Bronzeville, which has had its rougher days. We could walk, but today we could walk around our blocks freely, mm-hmm. yeah. have good relationships with our neighbors, good interactions on the daily. You're not ducking shots every time you, no, you not. leave your apartment, man. It's not. It's, it's the violence. How much has gentrification played a part in both aspects? Um, it's played a role, definitely. I was in. And speak. I'll, I'll let you speak on. Go ahead. Go ahead, Cal. On, uh, I'll let you speak on. Uh, well, this area more, yeah. Well, yeah, but in Bronzeville, we have had uh, gentrification quite a bit. It's been more of a mix of uh, other races coming to the area. Some prices prices have gone up uh, on a lot of properties, and you know, like I said, it is it sucks because it like I said it displaces people who have been in the neighborhoods for a long time. But you do see better police action in the neighborhood. You do see 
a sort of calmness in the daytime where, you know, as, as you know, it could be different. It was different in years past, but, you know, but at the, at night you still hear some gunshots That's on, on quite a few nights, you know, but it's, you know, you, you want it, you want it to, it's like you want certain things to change, but you don't want the people in, in Bronzeville. You want the neighborhood to get better for the people already living there. Right. And you don't want the history and the tradition of the neighborhood to be wiped out. There you go. You know, because Bronzeville is Bronzeville because it was, it's bronze. It's, it represents the bronze people of the city. It was a place where black people came from the South and they sought refuge here and they built a real community. Red Fox used to walk up and down the street in Bronzeville. Nat right. King Cole, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. used to, Sam Cook is from the crib. Lou Rawls is Lou from Rawls, Chicago. Yeah. They used to be Quincy in Jones. Bronzeville. Quincy Jones, like all of these people used to kick it in Bronzeville. Like for, and now you, you, you go through it, it's starting to come up a little bit, but like he said, the whole culture of the community is changing. The problem with gentrification is when they come, they start to change things that are uniquely ours. All of a sudden, our art has become graffiti and it needs to be painted over. You know what I mean? Like the things that 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 club that Nat King Cole and all them could sing at is now an eyesore. Is now too mm-hmm. much noise for the people who live here. So that has to go. And so that's what changes the culture of places. That's the problem. You know, same way I'm, I'm imagining y'all see in Brooklyn, you know, like not too far from here is the Stony Island Arts Bank. They have, you know, on on Stony Island in in Chicago, it's a beautiful facility right across the street from it, though. People selling dope, loud, loud, loud. They're right there (laughs) in front of the joint. And literally, no one ever crosses the street. You got white, rich people in fur coats, unbothered by these people across the street doing what they do. Yeah. You see that at Mark, you see it, the, the, the line of demarcation at Marcy Projects. When I see Jews, really? when I see Jews walking on that corner um, on Saturdays going to church with the with the Bolshevik hats on, I don't know the exact name of it, but the, the, their hats. To me, that's so freaking the weird. Yeah, the yarmulke, but but more like the, the tall, oh, wool. Yes. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you know, like the Orthodox, Jews. right, right. Yes. And I don't mean in disrespect to the to same listen. I just don't yeah, know. But um, to me, Brooklyn, like because Brooklyn began to change uh, when they to- when the Barclay, the Barclay Center used to be rail yard. It was the hood when they mm. changed it, um, and they knocked it down and they built the Barclay Center. Now um, they're building luxury apartments on top of the Barclay Center, and that's the problem. It's so complex. Like it doesn't go. It never goes from uh, low income to middle income or mixed nope. income. It goes from low income to luxury condos. <laughs> Just down the street from here, luxury condos, and it's it's, it's frustrating because. You know, being here in this area and you like to see your property value or your place go up and you, you like to see amenities come to it. But why did it take for my people to leave for those amenities to come? And why did it take for you to change the culture, the things that I embrace? Like, why do we have the Arts Bank holds the archives from Ebony Magazine, all of their pictures, everything. We can go there right now and flip through that media. Actually, we should go there right now <laughs> and look through all of that history in that building. Well, we Why get is rid- it being consumed by people who don't look like us and people who don't respect and, the culture that they're coming to consume? And there's a whole leeching element to it, too. Like you mentioned the, the white folks on Stony who just say these these crimes and stuff go by. It's like It seems like they're just allowing a process to happen where we continue to down, like, downgrade our neighborhoods to make it cheap enough for them to buy these properties wholesale and redo them in, in their own uh, image so that we're and we're knocked out of the neighborhood in a generation or so. And it, it hurts to see that happen when, when you knew that there was a home for your people at one point, mm. but now it just, you know, got swept right out from under us. We got to cut it off because we're running late, but 
in 30 seconds or less, what's next for you and Dome T? Next thing for me is uh, is more writing. Now that I know I can do it, I've been armed with 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 power to pen. So uh, I've got a book on the way to kind of unpack this idea of the duality of being both African and African-American. I'm also uh, have a documentary in production about the trips, the cultural excursions I take where I take African-Americans to Ghana. And so you can catch that on domati.net slash Ghana, D-O-M-E-T-I.net slash Ghana. You can catch all my pieces on there too, my podcast, uh, my TV segments, all of that, domati.net, D-O-M-E-T-I.net. My man is old school. He got a fountain pen and 501... Oh <laughs> five Aussie Brown ink. Right. Got the nag champa lit up in here. Hold on, wait a minute. I got the leather bound journal in this journal. I thought that was your Bible. <laughs> it is. Dovati <laughs> yeah, is like an old school black artist for the seventies. <laughs> got the Ramsey Lewis on the wall. And stuff, right? He probably yeah. got a Zorro sword in his closet or something. My bed is real wait, cool. So <laughs> <laughs> you saw the sword? No, I'm just, okay, I'm I'm just talking. Sword. Kyle. Yeah, anything that's uh, WeAreRigalRadio.com, we building, we still building. Had an awesome conversation with, with Scoop uh, this weekend about ways that we are going to continue building our brand. Thanks, CBS. Our shared, <laughs> yeah, our, our shared brands and the brands of others. Just keep keeping on reaching out to our people here in Chicago and out and other, elsewhere. You know, um, like I said, more more writing, more video, more everything with us, more podcasts. I'm going to look, look to have me uh, my own uh, interview show, recurring interview show built mm, uh, by the end of the year. And, uh, yeah, just just more of everything, man, with the prices going up, man. Okay, mm. okay Khaled. Mm. <laughs> well, you heard him. Dominic C. Pongo, Kyle Means, Dean Davis, show, We Are Regal Radio, WGN in the building. Scoopy Radio, signing off. We out. Scoopy Radio. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.